0: though we had to get a podcast up, there's so much happening the last 24 hours. We've got the Kyrie Irving trade. The NBL play-ins are ahead of us. Uh, let's start with the NBA today. Kyrie Irving, your immediate reaction.
1: My immediate reaction is this is really good for Josh Green. I know no, there's that. been a lot of hatred of why it's not, but I felt like... Finney Smith is uh been somewhat played in the same way that what Josh Green has been. He was the only other real defender that Dallas had on the perimeter and I guess this is uh something that they've so, uh, seen that Josh Green has matured so much this season that they're going to give him more responsibility with it. Uh with Reggie Bullock struggling to shoot um Tim Hardaway being okay. Adding Kyrie is obviously their second uh, scorer next to Luca is what Luka had been crying out for. But I actually think this works really well in the favour of Josh as well. Now, on the flip side, I think Brooklyn absolutely won in this trade. Absolutely. The, piece, the pieces that they got, the draft picks that they got. Um, my only hesitation is... I've never been a fan of Spencer Dinwiddie. Since he, was at think,
0: the, since he was at the Brooklyn Nets last time, ironically.
1: Well, we saw it at Washington. Then we went to Dallas. Um, he's another really selfish player, in my opinion. I'm um, not a big fan of his. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works into the the Brooklyn rotation. But good for Brooklyn for taking parts that would work for him now, not caving into what the Lakers were going to give up at the end of the day.
0: So, so let's break it down here. So Dallas get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris, both on expiring contracts. So they've essentially gone and rented two players for five months where they get a look and a see, and they'll make their mind up as to whether primarily they offer Kyrie Irving his maximum extension at the end of this season, which they didn't do uh, leading up to the trade. And it's what Kyrie Irving was expecting or hoping. But let's be honest, I don't think there'd be an NBA team desperate enough to offer Kyrie Irving a guaranteed maximum extension at the moment, maybe outside of the Lakers. Uh, What what the Brooklyn Nets have gone and picked up is Spencer Dinwiddie on this season and next year at his 20 million a year, but they've got Dorian Finney-Smith for three more years. Quality, upstanding human being, defender, perfect role play to put put alongside Kevin Durant if they want to have any aspiration of keeping him. But and then the draft picks 2029 20, first and second, or twenty twenty second, a twenty twenty seven second round pick. But let's talk about what this trade is. It's Kyrie Irving, and you know what I, I wrote this morning on Twitter. It's it, it's almost like. And I've got a daughter, so it hits a little bit close to home. But, I, you know, it's almost like watching your daughter date the wrong guy. Um, and, and I wrote, you know, I'm just pulling this up right now. It's. Uh,
1: I, I laughed when I read that this morning, by the way. Yeah, that so Ky-
0: like Kyrie Irving going to the Mavs is like watching, like a father watching his daughter date the wrong guy. You hope she's happy, that he treats her okay, she learns from it, and it doesn't last long, and you certainly don't want to watch. So, I mean... I love the Mavericks and they're probably because, well, I played there, but they've treated me so well. But I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I dislike Kyrie as much. And I I have no interest in watching the Dallas Mavericks right now. I I, I, I don't want to put a game on. I don't want to, you know, I haven't bought his sneakers out of it. Like the only, I wear size 18 shoes and this is, the emotional attachment I think a lot have to Kyrie and it goes back to the time he was in Australia, but I wear size 18 shoes. They're really hard to get for the last two years. The only shoe available to me has been Kyrie Irving's shoe. I have not bought a pair of shoes in two and a half years. I, I just can't bring myself to wear his shoes. And look, the, the on-court stuff, it's high risk. He's got a relationship with their, their general manager or CEO, Nico. Uh, you know, Jason Kidd and Kyrie Irving have a relationship that's positive together. And Jason Kidd, my understanding is that this was the, the, the pivoting point. The kid wanted this done. They went to Luca to sign off on it. He agreed. So we get two ball dominant players who can create their own shot. And if you think that, yeah, Luca's, Luca's usage and the Mavs needed to find a way to reduce it. The way they're going to reduce it is they're going to stand Luka Doncic on a wing and watch Kyrie Irving play and alternate with standing Kyrie on a wing and watching Luka play. So it's not going to be attractive basketball. The Mavericks probably have a better chance of a run at a championship, although I don't think this puts them there. But, Jesus, you know, I said I won't watch them. It's probably like saying you don't want to watch a train wreck, right? You're still going to tune in and have a look just to see if it crashes. Um, you're I think man- there has so to be you're, another you're trade
1: man- in place. Say again. I think I think there has to be another a secondary trade in place for this to happen. I think that they they would need to have if it was if I was in control, I'm probably to moving on Christian Wood next.
0: Well, I, 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 my through. my sources are that they've wanted to move on Wood for a little while. So, but, but who do you bring in?
1: You need a stretch four.
0: Well, that's oh, no. what Christian Wood is, really, is a stretch five.
1: Well, they, they, they would want to bring in well, – I'm not a big fan of Christian Wood either. Um, but if you're going to have two ball-dominant um, ball handlers like Luca and like Kyrie, you want to be able to spread the floor really well. Um, hence why I think Josh Green's going to get more minutes as well with Reggie Bullock not shooting at the rate that he, they would be expecting him to, um, but then you've got Maxi Cleaver who can shoot. Um, Dwight Powell doesn't shoot. Christian Wood is just a liability. He, he's just a, a all numbers, no substance sort of guy for me. Um, so I, I'd be moving on Woods to to bring in someone. And funnily enough, and I thought about it just a few minutes before we hopped onto the podcast. I read that Kevin Love's now out of the rotation at Cleveland. Imagine having that sort of steady guy in the corner to knock down shots for you.
0: That's a really interesting one. I think his salary is too big. And he's come a long way from not wanting to play to finding a group. Those Cavs love him at the moment. I think he loves them. I think he loves mentoring them. I don't see him moving, but... That's the type of player, when it comes to a playoff-type environment that won't make mistakes, you're spot on. And Before we get off this, because I know there are people with hours to, to have opinions on this and we don't want to run it into a whole episode, but as we flick through socials because they're updating all the time, this might be the funniest one that's just popped up. With Kyrie Irving going to Dallas, at least we finally get to figure out who killed JFK. That's really funny. That's uh, that's good. Mike Lifts, that's uh, well done to you. That's that's fantastic. But, um, hey, I want to make, while we're on this, and and I still think Kyrie Irving's going to end up at the Lakers next year. I think he'll play his five months out here. He'll play well to make sure he gets the contract and he'll go and run back to LeBron James and have a swing at the Lakers. But you get guys as a collective bargaining agreement gets closer like Ben Simmons did, like Jay Crowder's doing now, Kyrie Kyrie Irving demanding trades where the players own all the weight or all the power in decision-making. And it, it doesn't sit well with me that you can sign a generational contract where your family's family for generations will be okay. And it gets a little bit hard or something upsets you and you're out. You choose to sit and not fulfil the most basic obligation of your contract, which is to play basketball. That's going to change in the collective bargaining agreement. The owners are coming together behind the scenes so strong to make sure that if a player sits, they don't get paid. If a player wants to be traded and chooses to not perform at the best of their ability, they're in breach of contract. And I, I think the owners are right. They're going to dig their heels in and make sure we don't see a Jay Crowder, a Ben Simmons. We don't know what Kevin Durant will do yet. Yeah, that's the elephant in the room right now. Well, what does he think of this trade? Will he demand Will he demand to be traded as well? So as long as the players own all the leverage, hey, it's still the owners who have the financial risk here. The, expect the owners to dig their heels in when the CBA comes around and expect – there to be a spotlight shone on decisions like these last two years as the reason that the players don't get paid paid as much or have as good a contractual conditions as what they currently do.
1: I like that from the owners. I think it's long overdue as well. and We've definitely seen a pivot over the last five five to ten years with the players owning more more power than probably what they should at the end of the day. And, um, you know, quite frankly, I I think it's laughable. I mean, even the whole Ben Simmons situation of him going out and then Philly just finding him. um, And even Ben saying that I had mental health problems, but Philly still finding him at the end of the day. Like, he didn't want to be there. Um, Jake Crowder doesn't want to be in Phoenix right now. Like you said, at the end of the day, it's laughable because they are getting generational wealth from it. Yet they don't want to do the one thing that they're really good at, which is playing basketball. It's mind-boggling to me. Well, while we're at it, I'm, I'm going to
0: put my fan hat on before we get off the NBA and the trade deadline. Well, we're six days away or five days away as we, we as we record this. Yet we're two thirds of the way through the season. As, as a fan, it still doesn't quite sit right that. A team that you support can com- look completely different next week to make a playoff run. You, you've developed opinions, emotional relationships with the players you're supporting, and all of a sudden they're gone. And in some instances, you're given almost an entire new look starting five to then go on support. I, I don't know. Is it, uh, I, I just don't like the trade deadline being so late. I, I'd love to see it brought back to around Christmas time. You know, halfway through the season, when most teams have played 41 games, so at the very least, the team that you choose for the second half of the season is a team you're going to roll into the playoffs with. I don't know; it's just too mu- too much change can happen too late into the season that for me it doesn't give a true indication. It doesn't reward good good list management uh, when it comes to trying to win championships.
1: I agree. I've always thought that it was way too late in the season. Um, don't know if Christmas is the right time with people that, wanting to be around family. That's but,
0: the only part, but call it early January after the after yeah. the holiday period's done.
1: Yeah, no, but I, I've always been outspoken on the trade deadline um, as far as wanting it to be earlier in the season. I think if you don't know by the halfway point in the season if you're a contender or not or what you're missing or not or if you're going to blow it up or not, there's not many teams come back from halfway through in the season and, and not know where they stand personally. Um, I'll be interested to see what these next couple of days has for us. I'm sure there's another big trade in there somewhere. Um,
0: we might do the most podcasts in one week as we've done in –
1: <laughs> as long as we've been doing this we might be doing them every day for a little while Mate, just off the top of your head who, who would you like to see and this is without warning who would you like to see traded to get an opportunity or, or someone that needs in your opinion that would benefit from getting out of their contract Patty Mills. with the current club
0: Patty Mills yeah. you know I think he could help a New York Knicks or a team that just really really struggles from the perimeter we know his Achilles heel in the NBA's eyes is, is, is a defensive end, but there are teams out there really, really struggling from the perimeter. I've probably seen more of New York this year. Because we've had an emotional attachment, but I, you know, I think that someone like Patty would fit in there. Um, I'd love to, we, we talked about it last week. I'd love to see John Collins get out of Atlanta and I'd love to see him end up at OKC. Um, Collins hasn't wanted to be there for a while. Um, I think he'd benefit our own Josh Kitty. So they're the two off the top of my head. Um, Yeah, can't think of any others without you. Have you got one loaded question?
1: Well, I think Trey Young would be one that I reckon would be beneficial for both if they could part ways and find other pieces. I think this whole Atlanta experience, was really high on expectations and has under-delivered to this point with the roster that they built. Um, And selfishly, I know I'm going to cop some shit for this, but selfishly, I want to see if Jalen Brown can just be the guy. Right. I prefer Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum, personally. I'd really like to see what he's like as the number one guy, not being the Robin to Batman at the end of the day. Um, It's not going to happen, but I'd love to see it. I I think
0: it's a really, I think they're closer than people think. Um, I think it's a really dangerous thing to get into to try to prove that there have been so many examples over the years where (coughs) players have found this incredible niche that suits them perfectly. I mean, the most obvious one, Scotty Pippen, right? I'm sure if he had have wanted throughout his career, Scottie Pippen could have moved and been the number one guy. But it could it also significantly increases his risk of failure. I mean, winning championships at the end of the day and, and what Scottie Pippen was able to achieve through his career. I mean, is Jalen Brown the modern era Scottie Pippen? Is he, that, is he that good? Because Tatum's not Jordan. And maybe is he better than I don't know. Is he better than Pippen? I don't, I don't think he is. probably also just touches on accidentally reminding us how great the Bulls were, doesn't it? The Celtics yeah, absolutely. at the moment. Um, no, interesting thought. Hey, we we got to move off the NBA because we're heading into the NBL playoffs and we both watched probably the best day of NBL basketball with what was on the line yesterday. We watched United defeat the Adelaide 36ers. And including a three on the buzzer uh, to stretch that winning margin out to
1: seven. Uh, I Should nine, know nine. They won. They won by nine and made Perth want have to win. Had by to win by 11. by
0: eleven, which they got up twenty-three. Sydney battled back to within nine, and there are a lot of Melbourne United fans and and the team itself still sitting at the arena watching the game, and then. Uh, Brady Manic made those two free throws, Uh, Sydney couldn't score on the buzzer to eliminate Perth and Perth find their way back into the play-in, which is something that we'll touch on in a second. But first of all, your thoughts on yesterday, on the final six, uh, a a little bit about the NBL
1: well, firstly, I'll lift the curtain. You were drinking with a Worthington yesterday while watching the game. It just happened to be my old man, Greg Worthington. I sure was. When when Perth were up twenty three, how confident was he? Uh, that-
0: I must I must admit, your, your dad and you both. This is not over yet. Perth could drive this off the cliff, and they almost did. They it really highlighted their inability to defend. Um, Sydney were playing to manage minutes they they sat Xavier Cooks the last four minutes there wasn't anything in that game for them to battle for yet they still made a, a 14 point run against a team fighting for their life um, I did enjoy the comical value of John really wearing his Ted Lasso shirt to the press conference and talking about belief I'm not sure I believe they can go any further
1: I don't believe in their defence, I can tell you that right now. Um, I think it was midway during the third quarter when I don't know how many possessions in a row Perth scored on, but momentum just seemed to be on their side. And yet when I looked at the scoreline, it was only a five or a six-point game, and that's because their inability. It wasn't that Sydney were making shots. They were were getting layups down the other end. And while Perth might have hit a three here or there, Sydney were still making layups. Now they did get some crucial deflections in that fourth quarter when it came close, um, which probably saved their bacon. But, Dang, um, but
0: there's some. I know the ones you about. Remind me of the Sydney Kings rookie's name, the the, the guard that that came in when Walton Junior was out. Yeah, um, I, I've seen passes go slow. I've sent mail that's gone slower than his passes. <laughs> I mean, don't. Uh, looking someone right in the eye and trying to pass it through three defenders isn't good defense. That's horrible offense. And let's be yeah. honest, they're not going to see anyone. He's not going to see a minute in the playoffs. It, uh, yeah, I, well, I just think that did, was He did his deal. ankle
1: as well. He yeah. did his ankle as well, so he's probably not going to play. The, the What I see is they're playing against a Southeast Melbourne team that uh, we saw Cairns beat up Perth on the rebounds, uh, on Friday night, uh, Southeast Melbourne are just going to crash the boards and Perth don't really have anyone to stop that. Brady Manning can't play on Mitch Creek. Um, to Sean Thomas, as much as I like to Sean Thomas, um, big source is just that little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Um, and then the Phoenix, he got big, big wings as well. Um, with Ryan Brokoff probably coming back into the rotation as well. Um, Give credit where credit's due. Luke Travers had his best NBL game in probably three years. He was fantastic. He was outstanding. Uh, Making plays on both ends. He was a presence on the boards. um, Making plays, knocking down his shots. Uh, He's a 40% three-point shooter this season now. On a 2.8 attempts a game. Credit to him. Because that was always his Achilles heel. And you know what?
0: You wouldn't want to depend on it, and it takes a long time. And I think the reason he's a 40% shooter is because everybody's just daring him to shoot. He's got a lot of time to look it up and line it up. But The the, the one thing I'll give Perth credit for, and their greatest area for improvement from game to game, Rice Cotton will never go one of 19 again. But... They they are going to be, for as long as their playoff or their postseason run lasts, they're only going to go as well as what Bryce Cotton does. Yep. Which, their which best really, can beat Which anyone. could be
1: really, really good. Yep. Their now, best can beat anyone.
0: Now, now, just on that, before we wrap, wrap that up, Melbourne United, uh, a lot of t- there's been talk about Dean Vickerman. There's been, Dean Vickerman's fine. Dean Vickerman's a great coach. There are a lot of question marks over the roster this year. They they got it right. They were, I think, they won eleven of their last fourteen games. Uh, Shaylee missed half the season. Ariel Huckporty was out on the eve of the season. They've got a lot of excuses. I'd actually prefer to say they've got a number of reasons that they didn't make the playoffs. They look for them to retool and get back. But was it a failure for Melbourne United? I'd say no. Uh, was it disappointing? Absolutely, yes. There was always going to be one or two really good teams that didn't make the last six.
1: Yeah. Um, they, were, they were scary down the stretch. They got it right with Shea back in the rotation as well. Marcus Lee had been a revelation. Rajon Tucker had showed us what he had talked about at the start of the season. He actually got to show us what he was all about in the back end of the season. Yeah. Um, be interesting to see roster wise where they go from here. If that's the last of David Barlow, that as well, that's that's a terrible way to go out with the concussion protocols. Yeah. Um, for the better part of what two months now that he's been out for. Um, so I feel for DB. Um, I guess what this round highlighted, and something that was a bit taboo during the season is playing out to the final possession. Yep. Um, how many points did Melbourne United dribble out at the end of the game? Like times over the course United of the season. Over the course of the season or Perth. Um, you've been in a situation where you've missed the playoffs by one point as one, well.
0: By one free throw.
1: By one free throw. Um, I think Cody Ellis put out a tweet said any new import should have to sit down and go through why playing out the end of the game is important for this exact reason and just yeah. show them the last game of the season, the yeah. last two minutes of a game. Um, and that is not disrespectful. It actually means something.
0: That, that That's uh, my thing. It's not disrespectful to play a game out. That's rubbish. That whole NBA philosophy of it's disrespectful to try to score and run up a lead, it's disrespectful to not be your best. When there's careers but, on the line, there's playoffs on the line, play to the play to
1: the buzzer. Yeah. Um, so I've, I do feel bad for United because they gave it a hell of a run. They had no right to even put themselves in that position. I remember when this run started, they said, like, realistically, we've got to win 11 of the next 14 or, or whatever it was. Which they did. They did. Yeah. They did. And they miss out by a point yeah um, yeah kudos to Perth for, for making it happen at the end of the day uh, but yeah Dean, like you said, Dean's a great coach he'll be fine be interesting to see what they do with their roster but uh, I'd expect that they'll be back with a vengeance next year.
0: Now an answer I couldn't get a question I couldn't get an answer to these playing games are the wildcats in the playoffs yet? Or is it a different playoff system or is the, are the play in games as they're described where you are playing to get into the playoffs? Now, the reason I ask this, and, and we asked the NBL and we didn't get an answer, and there have been various opinions on social media. But these two games on Thursday night, the team that wins, does it count? It can't count towards your regular season record. Does it count to yeah. your playoff record or is it a whole separate category we have to put it in? Guys like Bryce Cotton, who in a lot of people's minds is in the conversation for one of the greatest of all times, and a big part of that are your performances in playoff basketball. Do these games count? If Bryce Cotton has a triple-double against the Phoenix, do they just throw that game in the bin? Or what do they do with it?
1: it will be the greatest play and performance of all time.
0: But, um, as, but as it sits right now, they need, as it sits right now, the statistics don't go anywhere, and it's kind of like the NBA are almost the same, where they don't keep track of statistics in playoffs for a lot of the. Play- yeah, it's. I don't know. I just, I just think they need one more layer of understanding. Just call them the playoffs. It's a sixteen final series. Anything postseason has to be playoffs. Can we just leave it at that? If,
1: yeah. If, in my opinion, it's a playoff game. At the end of the day, like if you've made it the six to play in to get into a uh, a quarterfinal, then it's a playoff game. Like you said, the regular season is now done. So it's not a regular season game. I think trying to add a layer of complexity to what it is isn't the answer. It's just a playoff game. So in my opinion, Perth have made the playoffs. Uh, and I'll take you back. Uh, to when there was ten teams and there was eight teams that made the playoffs. Perth was, I think, finished eighth one year, and that was still part of their record. It's a playoff. At the uh, end uh, of the day, can I
0: say one thing? And, and and Andrew Bogut was on on record as saying, "It's for those of the, for those out there who think that six teams in a ten league team, uh, ten a ten team league, is too many to make the playoffs." everything you needed to know was yesterday. The the suspense, the the pressure, the, the the different outcomes that could have come on every single shot down the stretch in both games. I think the NBL got this one right. With putting the 16s in, how they describe it's a whole different thing, but that was as good an ending to an NBL regular season as I've seen in a lot of years.
1: I think the last couple of years we've seen really good endings. This just added another layer of, with the points difference and, and what needed to happen, Sydney having a chance of knocking down a three through DJ, which I thought was down when he shot it, I thought, here we go. Yep. It's going to happen. Um, no, the last couple of years have been really good and obviously this has just played into, if it was just a top four finish, then this year's last day of the season would have been crap. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, but, but I mean... If you're a West Australian between the scorchers on uh, Saturday and the Wildcats on Sunday, you're pretty happy uh, uh, West Australian fan right now.
0: Let's uh, let's take this to a little bit of a personal level on each way. I I, I spent uh, 24 hours in Auckland. We we finished up our our tour with Dirk Nowitzki over there and. The evening before we we caught up, and it, it, it's interesting here in Australia, we, we've always battled against the Kiwis and we have a, a respect for what they do without really knowing what they do. And I spent the evening and I spent the following day with Kirk Penny and Dylan Boucher. And I would say that I learned as much about New Zealand basketball and the history of it and where they're looking to go and even digging into the tradition of the Harker before a game, because we started talking about that moment when Shay Ily performed the Harker by himself for Chris Golding and Brad Newley. And then we spoke about what the United team, ironically, in the break of performing the Harker, meant to Kirk Penny on his last game. And, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like the conversation we have here with Indigenous Australia that I, I, until, until yesterday I didn't understand traditional Maori culture nearly as much as what I do today. So to sit down with those two guys and learn about their culture and learn about uh, where they're trying to take the game in New Zealand and where it's been, you know, we think we've got battles here in Australia. They've got bigger battles being a smaller brother to us. They're doing some really, really great things. And, you know, since I've shifted across to doing what I'm doing with these events, I can't wait to get back and learn more and share more and spend more time with those two guys, but, you know, integrating the New Zealand basketball a little bit more, but I just felt I needed to share what a, what a great experience it was going over to New Zealand and learning more about what they're doing, uh, without any bias whatsoever.
1: We've both been fortunate enough to stand across from the tall blacks doing huckers, uh, my very first game in New Zealand. And, um, Funnily enough, we FaceTime and Dylan Bouch was there and he brought up the photo of Dylan going nose to nose with me, uh, doing the haka um, one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in the basketball realm, uh, as a kid, uh, watching the wallabies and all that, you always saw the haka and how intimidating it was and how intense they are, uh. In tall ferns when you see them, Shay Ellie, uh, Mick of Tall Blacks. Um, uh, Lindsay Lindsay Tate, when Dylan Boucher when they were doing the hucker, like there was so much passion oozing from it and uh, having it was the ultimate sign of respect to, in my eyes um, when they start marching towards you and uh, holding your brother around the shoulders, not budging not smiling, not saying, look, look what they're trying to do. Like that was uh, the ultimate respect at the end of the day from both sides, I think, and uh, very cool that we've both been in that position.
0: Mate, we may speak again in the next day or two. Something big happens in the NBA. Otherwise, let's record the next one of these when we get to the final four in the NBL. Enjoy it over there, mate. We'll chat to you soon.
1: No, see you, mate. mate.